Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to a Wednesday night edition of the Dunktown Basketball NBA podcast. Going to preview, for trade purposes, the Southeast Division now. Let's get started with uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Danny has put these in order of the teams he thinks are most interesting, and he picked the Hornets first. Why is that? Kemba Walker. I mean, it's it's the most compelling decision in this division. They aren't necessarily going to do the most because of that, but Kemba is such a, it's such a sea change for them if they decide to move him or not. He is the best player on this team team and if they choose to move him it's probably going to be for young guys so then we're probably not talking a whole lot about the Hornets for the next couple years like I think that's going to be the choice that they have to make to get their fundamentals they're about 2 million 1.9 million below the luxury tax right now they have one free roster spot and they're right around the tax line for next season with Travion Graham being a restrictive agent who we both like and if their pick is you know if it ends up being a stronger pick then that starts to make it more expensive too and then the tax calculation get more complicated yeah and i think a lot of why it might make sense to move on from walker is improving their own pick this year they could get right into the mix there's a quite the morass of teams you know who are just below them right now in terms of projected record hornets projected 38 and 44 i guess they would have to drop back pretty significantly into like the very low 30s range but given the way that they've played without walker so far this season that might be uh quite doable for them they only listed as 33 percent playoff odds right now by our friends at 538 so i mean let's just start with this walker thing mark stein he was on he surprised me when he was on our show a couple days ago by saying that he thinks they will at least listen on kemba i my thought is michael jordan has not really shown that sort of proactivity especially when it makes the team worse but certainly they should be listening to him. i think they should try to trade him uh but obviously if the right offer is not there then it doesn't make a ton of sense so just to as a general proposition before we think about like what some potential suitors for him could be like what do you think is a fair return for him i would say you're looking for either uh, a premium asset which i think is unlikely so that would be like maybe like a top seven a top seven to ten pick or something a little bit lower than that with something else so that's like the uh discussion i think bond temps has brought this up before of like frank nilkina and another like l- late lottery pick or something in that range I or think a salary I was the first one to bring that up you might be on, on this show uh the, you, it, we, yeah we that's, spent that's like true. we spent like 15 minutes on it actually not that tim like stole my idea by any means but but uh yeah i thought we were the first ones who started we might have been this, i it, it all it all becomes a blur for me and so it was us yeah, damn it uh yeah, yeah okay. but but so i think that's kind of the range you're looking at and one of the challenges with trading him walker is there aren't that many teams that a have a need for him and b have that kind of asset available and part of the reason why the knicks make so much sense is that they have that and then also 
also the salary component of it that they can work with yeah and again we, we talked about this with time but to reiterate why they would want to move on from him number one i mean this is an expensive older team already and not one that looks like it's going to make the playoffs this season we all picked them for the playoffs but uh, a lot of these teams that were below them looking a, a lot better has been a big part of why they've been out and obviously they've had some bad luck but also just have not played that well uh so well i want to bring up I one other big should, point yeah. which is okay. the idea of his next contract so kemba's on right, a yeah. wonderful deal 12 million a year these next two years this is age 27 season next year is age 28 he will turn 29 before free agency but that's you know that'll be his age 29 season with where charlotte is right now it doesn't look like i would be unless his market is just way lower than we think it's going to be and isaiah is some sort of semblance yeah. of an idea here it could be lower for sure but, it, it but if be. it is lower it's because he wasn't playing that well and the team wasn't that good over the next year and a half uh, that his contract continues for right so i i don't think i would want to if i where charlotte is i don't think i would want to give kemba his next contract other teams you know there's certain teams that would trade for him that absolutely could because he's on the small side but not small he's six one or thereabouts so it's not the whole like sub six foot worries that you have and i think kemba's game will age reasonably well but if he loses a step or a half a step it will get a little bit worse so to me you want to be in a team where he's elevating you right now and that you're maybe you have some other young players that can grow with him and that's not where the hornets are they have a lot of money tied up for a couple years and guys that are probably not going to get meaningfully better and probably in certain cases are going to get worse and so there just isn't as much incentive if you don't if he's not helping you that much right now and you probably don't want to sign his next contract well then you should probably move him yeah that all makes sense but there is a point especially in charlotte a team that oh we can't rebuild in this market you know they're one of those teams uh but and certainly even if they were to move walker there's much more work to do in terms of clearing the books to kind of get some more flexibility and use your salary cap space as an asset to either take on bad contracts or maybe even sign young players at this point too i mean now those any team with space is going to start to be more desirable uh because there just are not as many at least this offseason but there's really no way even if they move walker that they can get there i mean presumably any kind of a walker trade would require taking back some bad money as well so they'd have to get some value there but yeah i mean i think something along the lines of two first round picks a prospect or a first round pick you know and so i think nilakina and maybe a lottery protected first from the knicks would be like kind of what i was looking for if i were them uh maybe that would also include taking back some undesirable money from new york as well but that's uh, not not an amazing deal for charlotte but it just gets them going in the right direction and of course improves their draft pick this year other teams that in theory could use walker i guess you could say the jazz although donovan mitchell and he are somewhat redundant um and maybe they could send ricky rubio back and then end up buying out rubio the spurs again they don't operate this way uh and they don't really have the type of premium draft picks but if i were the spurs i would at least say hey how how interested are you in uh dejounte murray and uh kyle anderson and uh Derek white and you know a first round pick or two in the future because uh, they certainly could use what he needs especially with the Kawhi Leonard news that came in today which we'll talk about a little bit later um the Knicks we mentioned them of course I mean the Magic don't really seem or the Hawks don't really seem like teams that would be trying to go there Phoenix is an interesting one if they want to try and get better but it doesn't make any sense for them to get better this year they're already out of playoff contention and so they don't want to better their draft pick this year um so yeah I mean if you had to pick a most likely suitor out of all of those teams who do you think it is I think the Knicks are most likely and then I'm going to add in one more team and that's the Indiana Pacers the Pacers could really use him and they have a lot of filler salary including money that they could you know non-guarantees or light 
guarantees, that sort of thing. So I, I think that would be a wonderful fit. And they, they've they had a great year and they're trying to figure out what to do next to Victor Oladipo. But I think Kemba would be massive for them. I'll throw in one more team too, which is the Detroit Pistons. You know, maybe they sure. put Reggie Jackson into that trade. Uh, Stanley Johnson, although I don't know what his value is, probably not incredibly high. Certainly they, I think, would be willing to or move Or Kennard. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kennard is someone that they like. Uh, but yeah, and, and then maybe another for a first rounder as well. You know, maybe that could be uh, the construct there. It'd be interesting for Charlotte to have both Malik Monk and Kennard, 11 and 12, both shooting guards uh, from this draft. But you never know with those guys, which of them is going to work out. More. Not only that, but both shooting guards from North Carolina schools. Yeah, no. Oh, no, Monk Malik went Monk went to Kentucky. I thought he went yeah. to North Carolina. He put up 47 against, against Kentucky. Carolina. Yeah, that could be what it was. Yeah. <sighs> um, So, and just, uh, I mean, I think we both agree Kemba is their most likely player to be traded. We've been doing that category. But if you had to just eyeball it from here, what do you think the percent chance is that he gets traded? I was going to say 10%, but if, if Mark Stein's going to say that they're considering it, I'll move it up to 15. Yeah, I still think it's pretty low, both in terms of calibrating the value. Teams are still very judicious these days about sending out first rounders. Um, and although Detroit tried to do it for Donatus Matiunas and was saved by the fact that his uh, physical did not come up the way they wanted it to. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in the 15, 20% range, but I mean, the fact that he, he at least thinks they'll listen, I don't know whether that's really going to be true or not. I mean, I have a lot of skepticism again about this Charlotte organization's ability to do anything that proactive. Uh, so um, let's talk about some of their other things that we can here, though. Um, any of these other vets have some trade value? Certainly, if they were to move on from Walker, they would explore Batum, Marvin Williams. I think Kid Gilchrist actually is someone that they might look to move. Cody Zeller is someone who might have a little bit of value uh, on his contract, although he's coming off that meniscus injury and hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of guys who are kind of like, eh, you know, okay, I guess. Uh, maybe someone is interested in either the beholder type of guys, but they're not really, you know, great values on their contracts. Either. The other challenge there, which is a big one, is the amount of years that they have means that I think the kind of offers you're going to get for somebody like MKG is him for somebody with a way worse contract, maybe yep, similar yep. terms, but just a bad player and then some sort of asset. And then your asset valuation is very difficult because you're saying they're going, well, okay, what's this drop off? What is this drop? off mean and for mkg maybe that's maybe that's doable but like marvin williams i think that could be hard so there those guys are both making like 13 14 million a year for two more for this year next year and then have player options for for 1920 yeah and batum is something that we've been critical of for for years now is the fact that they made his contract increase rather than decline when they had full board rights and it didn't affect their 2016 cap space they'd be in a little bit more luxury tax concerns right now had they had it decline but nonetheless he's 22 this year goes all the way up to 27 for his player option that uh, I think he might exercise. Uh, in he the, might. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's always a. There'll be a really, really fun like rankings of like player options most likely to be exercised. It's oh, I had one other one I wanted to throw at you. How are you feeling yep. about Jeremy Lamb's 7.5 million for next year? Uh, I mean, I still think that's probably a little bit of a negative asset. Um, yeah, I think it's a yeah. slight negative. I was I was working on a little thing today about the Cavs, and I was the idea basically being that they could theoretically use 
use Channing Fry's expiring contract to trade for somebody who could contribute more. And I had this fleeting thought of, oh, Fry for Lamb would actually be interesting because the idea being that if LeBron leaves, they're over the cap and under the tax. So it doesn't really make that big a difference. So I had this little fleeting idea. I think Cleveland would need to would need something else back just because that's a lot of money for next year and the, the value yeah. difference isn't that big. But the framework of it was more intriguing than I thought when I first started floating it. Yeah, I don't think he helps the Cavs really. I, I, I would be skeptical of that one. He's just like a crappier J.R. Smith, basically. Um, all right, anything else you wanted to say on these guys here? I, I mean, I guess is there's a slight possibility that they would like try to get better? I mean, maybe, I mean, they're in this midst of this stretch now with eight of nine at home. So maybe they heat up and they say, hey, we're going to try and improve our bench a little bit. They can. The problem is that they just don't have much movable salary. Almost everybody's on a multi-year deal. So like, even if they like wanted to trade, let's say Frank Kometsky or somebody like that, they, they can't really do much with that. And they could be a buyout candidate just because, you know, if you're a buyout guy who wants to play, you're going to get an option on their bench. But I, I just don't see much in the way of trading with that. And it would be foolhardy for them to give up their, their first. And then they have Cleveland's 2018 second, but they don't have their own. Yeah, it does seem like more of a buyout destination. But I mean, we, we could also see as maybe some kind of a move to try to clear out some more room under the tax. As you mentioned, they have that open roster spot. They're 1.9 million below the tax. I mean, that's we're probably getting to the point now where, uh, you know, veteran contracts are more expensive than they used to be, but or they could sign someone for the rest of the season and be okay there uh, on the buyout market. I, mean, I do think that Derek Rose, if Cleveland wanted to buy him out, could be a decent fit there for their second unit point guard, assuming, of course, that he could stay healthy. But there's not a ton out there in terms of backup point guard help. Um, and Carter Williams, I mean, he's been just so miserable this year. I think I saw somewhere he's shooting, he might be shooting, ah, yes, 30.1% from the field this season. Oh. He field goal percentage of 33.7. I don't know why their second unit has struggled so much. I just I can't put my finger on it. Oh. Uh, just for fun, I'm going to look up what he's shooting on layups. Oh, yeah, 49% on layups and uh, 14% from three to 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe he can be the next Tyreek Evans, rookie of the year, disappoints and can do it somewhere else. Probably not. Oh, that, that is really, I, I knew it was bad. I didn't realize it was quite that terrible. Um, All right, let's move on to Atlanta here. Speaking of quite that terrible, the Atlanta Hawks, the Hawks are, they're just over the cap right now. And if they wanted to spend, of course, it's only on a free agent, but they could use their room exception. That would be maybe more of like pay a guy a little bit more money now and get some sort of non-guarantee for the second year. I think that wouldn't be a terrible idea, yeah. depending on how this similar fashion to what the Pacers did with Lance Stevenson last year right yeah that could be an option for them they have no open roster spots right now but they could clear one they're the Hawks and they're also hoping to clear them through some of their moves I have it that they have about 22 million in space this summer if Deadman and Mescala opt in those guys uh Deadman's player option is 6.3 million Mescala's is five I don't really have a strong opinion yet on which way that's going to go so I mean their primary objective is to is to sell I mean that that's pretty obvious and what I think is the most interesting question is going to be how intently do they shop and or listen for guys like Bazemore and Truder? Because yeah, they're going to tr- get the best offer possible for Bellinelli and Ilyasova. But how are they feeling about their guard rotation? Yeah, I, I think Schroeder is an interesting one. Bazemore is someone that uh, Brian Windhorse, I think it was, it might have been someone else who was on that podcast last week, uh, suggested that maybe the Cavs could use. I don't think Bazemore really helps the Cavs that much. He's kind of he, the problem with him has always been he hasn't quite had the size to really defend guys on the wing um you know really true small forward types who can score but 
but Bazemore still probably a negative asset on that contract but again one of those 2016 guys where he could easily be exchanged for someone with an even worse contract who's making about the same Bazemore uh salary goes up 17 this year 18 next year and 19 the year after that which is a player option which uh you know I think you might exercise that player option um but you know he can still play I mean which separates him from a lot of the guys who got similar contracts at this point um Schroeder you think anybody would want him I was trying to go through and I couldn't really find a great fit you know there are some point guard needy teams but I think in contrast to Walker Schroeder has not really established himself as a good enough shooter to play off the ball the way Walker can just you know nowhere near as good a player as Walker is either also a way less desirable contract because it's 15 and a half million flat every year through 2020-21 so if you were sure he was the answer that's not a bad contract but I don't think anybody's sure of that right now so I, I had thought about the idea of oh what if Orlando was risk averse with Alfred Payton but I don't think Alfred Payton is going to sign a richer contract than Dennis Schroeder got and that, that you know so and I would rather roll the dice on restricted free agency at this point than do something like Schroeder yeah I mean in theory Schroeder could make sense for a team like Phoenix I loathe his fit w- with Devin Booker uh, but he would be an upgrade on what they've had at, at point guard recently um and uh, again I mean I think the construct for Schroeder I mean it's not like Schroeder is so good that he's keeping Atlanta out of the basement where they want to be in terms of their draft pick um although they've been kind of unlucky this year I think uh and then for him it's just yeah I guess he could like you know it'd be a chance for another team to improve but then I mean the Hawks are really consigning themselves to be awful he's like the only thing that's even remotely watchable he and John Collins are at this point so I would say the chances of him getting moved are, are pretty low I mean again it could be he could be sort of a vehicle for getting bad salary back onto the team and maybe that enhances the draft pick compensation that they could get but I mean if you were Atlanta and you just got like a mid offer of a middling first round pick for him would you take it I mean assuming you didn't have to take back bad money absolutely I, th- yeah. I think of Schroeder as a as a slight negative maybe even a little more than a slight negative on his contract so if somebody's gonna offer that darn tootin yeah I mean he's young enough that he could still theoretically get there uh, he has a lot of physical tools he's taken some steps forward this year so I, mean, I guess I probably would do it as well but again it's probably not realistic to just take back no salary for the long term for him you're probably getting some bad money back as well and then maybe you know you would want more than that that first rounder um let's get though to the guys who are obviously going to be on the block here for atlanta so pretty much everybody else but the rookie scale guys so that's i mean Ilyasova and bellinelli are the two clear ones i believe it was mike scotto that had that they're looking for high second round picks for both those guys one weird problem for this year is that there aren't many high second round picks in the hands of teams that are being competitive you know usually that's through an old standing trade one that is is brooklyn's pick is owned by philly so they could go in that direction if let's say they felt that bellinelli was an upgrade over what they have you know with reddick being out for a little while now i mean bellinelli could maybe help them but you know i've always thought that bellinelli was vastly overrated and you know i i think you could probably do better with a high second round pick than marco bellinelli but maybe uh, other people will see it differently or i mean the other thing they could consider too is you know they've got ilyasova ilyasova and muscala both have uh implicit no trades uh although actually i'm not sure why mike muscala necessarily Woods. I think he's got a player option this year, but uh, as opposed to a team option, but may- maybe he does. Uh, I forget whether a player option works that way. I know a team option does. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so you, you've got Ilyasova making $6 million, Bellinelli makes six point six. You know, maybe what the Hawks could hope to do is something I thought they actually should have done last year with a lot of their guys uh, who were on expiring contracts is just try to aggregate these guys together, uh, take back some bad salary, and then maybe get a first rounder out 
of that um with you know if you got two guys that you think could help a team and you know i think Ilyasova and bellinelli together maybe could help a team fortify the bench and uh you know philly is one of those teams that comes to mind but again i don't know if philly is not gonna be too interested in giving up picks maybe uh Andrzej Pachniks if uh they are interested in him well the way the way that you could get an asset from philly is if they can include bayless in that trade right yeah that that might be that would make a lot of sense we'll talk because they want to get rid of bayless for their own uh cap hopes this offseason um Dwayne Deadman also someone who I think it could help certain teams six million this year six point three million dollar player option for next year um Muscala uh, similar Bodies barely played this year because that that pretty severe ankle injury five million this year five million dollar player option for next year all those guys you think would be on the block Luke Babbitt another guy maybe who could just help a team a little bit that needs some shooting off the bench from the four position yeah one that I've been toying with partially because they're one of my teams for the trade deadline I don't think that spoils anything is is the idea of a Denver Atlanta trade something we actually did in the mock deadline last year with that was that was a Paul Millsap trade that ended up happening not the deadline because Denver just has so much money for next year that they're looking to unload and they're actually kind of competent players I could see Travis Schlenk just being like hey you know these guys can actually play maybe we can even move them in this move them during next season or something like that but I think it's just a little too early for Atlanta to give up their space yeah do you think Deadman will opt in I think he probably will center market sucks center market sucks but would he be willing uh, would he be willing to be give up like a million or two just to be able to choose his own destination i like because if you think he could get i think you get somewhere in the four range during the year so for me the option of doing that and and being on a more competitive team would be worth it but again i haven't ever had to choose to give away two million dollars so yeah and for someone like babbitt you know you could see maybe him getting traded for just sort of a fringe 13 or 14th man with some modicum of potential uh, on another team who's not really playing right now you know i don't know that he is even good enough to warrant like a second rounder unless it's like a very late second rounder for a, a contender but in there's always teams that can use some more shooting off the bench so uh, um you know all, all of those are in play i mean it's just a question of what is the price you know do they and i think you know the idea of aggregating all these guys together taking back some not some awful salary but you know something someone like bayless i think is an interesting one where it's just you know nine million in dead money for next year which is probably not enough to merit a first rounder on its own but then when you throw in that there's part of this year left and you can get the services of these guys Guy, these vets that they have then maybe you can squeeze a first rounder for you know not necessarily bayless but that sort of a contract that ends a year from now I, I think that's the type of deal i would be looking for with them one other quick thing to mention the hawks are flush in terms of draft assets they have all their own picks plus they have 2018 first round picks from minnesota and houston that looks like they're just going to get those straight out and then they have that 2019 first from the Cavs, which is protected so they have a lot of those assets moving forward they already have collins bembry and Tory and Prince all on rookie scale contracts plus their own draft pick too yeah I mean you could see them with all these picks that they have that are relatively middling and you could see them either trying to move up in certain drafts or they could end up being kind of where Phoenix and Sacramento have been these last few years of just so many young guys rookie skill guys but I don't think that's the end of the world I think because rookies are really kind of crapshoots that you get enough of those guys and just hope to hit on some of them you know I think it's not the end of the world to have that so I th- and Travis Schlenk clearly has a mandate and a philosophy of a complete and total rebuild right now all right most likely to be traded for these guys Marco Bellinelli yeah it seems like it just because Ilyasova can veto a trade mm-hmm. and then Deadman has a player option for next year Muscala has a player option for next year so and teams always want shooting so with all that I think Marco most likely uh for sure it would be a failure to not trade him well let's move on to a 
a team that you disagreed with my ordering and and go to the Orlando Magic just to have them a little bit higher. The Magic are just under the salary cap, and if they wanted to use their full room exception in the way we just talked about with the Hawks to sign somebody and do a multi-year thing, they could do that. They have no open roster spots, and they're probably right around the tax for next year, but that depends so much on what Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton get as restricted for agents, that those are complicated negotiations for myriad reasons. And so that puts Orlando in a sticky spot because they don't really have a ton of ways to change, but they have big decisions to make all the same. Um, I don't know if they're right around the tax. Well, yeah, I guess if, if Aaron Gordon gets, you know, close to the max and Peyton gets, you know, 12, 13 million, then yeah, you're probably pretty close to the tax, which certainly is not going to be very palatable for them. We'll assume that Shelvin Max, uh, $6 million non-guarantee for next year, they move on from that. But yeah, they are very unlikely to have cap space this offseason, which is certainly frustrating given how awful they've been this year so what do you think they're trying to do it would be great if they could just clean up their books a little bit they have just so much money like guys like Vooch and Ross that aren't bad players but just just fill it up so they don't really have much flexibility I don't think they have the ability to move Fournier or Biombo just because those guys are both making 17 mil for another couple years and that's a lot of money for a long time and you know if they can they don't really have the Bellinelli's and Iliasovas of the world so veterans that have interest that, that generate interest at their salaries but they could theoretically if they wanted to be a little bit bolder, they could take on some money either through Shelvin Mack, because as you the aforementioned non-guarantee, or Mario Hazonia. I mean, Hazonia has a, a good opportunity to play there because they had, they're tanking, basically. But they can do they could do that. And then they don't have the flexibility in terms of taking on money outside of Shelvin Mack, but that's a good way to do it. Yeah, he is a, an expiring contract that could be useful. Uh, and I mean, with them kind of being capped out, you know, I disagree with you on Forney. I think that he, you know, probably not worth the $17 million flat that he's due over the next three years after this one also another player option by the way uh he's young enough that it's actually conceivable he could opt out of that uh Biombo will not be opting out of his 17 million that ends a year earlier but Fournier again fits into that construct of guys who are somewhat overpaid but not nearly as overpaid as some other guys and actually can play I think uh Mark and I were talking about this the, the other day that he at least is someone who can help a team although you know having him as your second option as the Magic have found is a pretty inadequate offense Offensively, and he's not a, a great defensive player either, but knows how to play. So I, I think it would make a lot of sense to move him. Um, Vucevic, I'm sure they would love to move, but again, it, you know, when you mentioned cleaning up their books, I mean, I think actually it makes more sense to further dirty their books, if anything, and try to pick up some draft compensation because, you know, Ross, Vucevic, again, those are guys who maybe they could try to package to pick up guys with worse salary because otherwise, I mean, if you're going to try to get rid of those guys and just open up space you're giving up draft pick compensation which then you would just be trying to get back by taking back more bad contracts with that very same space or you know you would just be trying to sign people in free agency which you know given where the team is right now it doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense to me and they'd have to get rid of so much to really be players in free agency anyway this year and then there are going to be a lot more teams with space next year hard to imagine them as a desirable free agent destination we certainly have seen them uh have to overpay and strike out quite a bit here so i 
I think I probably would just hold on to guys like that and then maybe next year when they're expiring contracts and they can still play you know they have a, even more value but it's I think it's either they hold on to them or they take back worse contracts. Orlando what helps your argument is that they just don't have a clear-cut time to say hey this is when we're going to have cap space and we're going to have some interesting young players I mean if if we assume Aaron Gordon and probably Alfred Payton are back on this team next year on multi-year contracts you have those guys and then Biombo for sure in 2019-20 and so between that and they could probably get out of Augustine if they wanted to they're probably not going to have money in 2019 especially with adding in a couple other what it looked like they're going to be high-end draft picks and so that adds like 15 million to your books or something in that range with all their other stuff so if you run on that logic if they could move their 2018-19 expiring guys Vooch Ross things of that nature for guys that have one more year they could probably get some real assets there I mean you talk about then that gets you in like the Brandon Knight Derby uh some of the Bucks guys those sorts of things not saying they should make that move right now probably because teams aren't as desperate yet they haven't figured out how bad that's going to be but next year maybe over the offseason those options will be available yeah and even as late as next year I mean there are going to be a lot of teams in the tax a lot of teams trying to shed money even uh, although I don't know that they'll just have pure cap space to not send anything back for tax purposes next year but so much depends on, on what happens with Gordon and Peyton I mean as of right now I project them with 43 million in the summer of 2019 could get up to even more than that uh, if they were to move on from John Simmons but again you know if Peyton or Gordon were to return I mean they could also just try to play the game of you know we'll sign guys to one-year deals and then move them in similar fashion to what the Hawks have done but you know how much space are they really going to have for that not really sure there either so I mean if you had to predict it right now I mean you have to imagine Gordon will be back he's played well enough that you know it probably makes sense to match just about any offer I mean maybe you could say if there's a team that really loves him and wants to pay him the max that you could try to extract a sign and trade instead um Peyton feels like he probably won't be back um so but who knows if he even gets an offer in restricted free agency or not but I think they'll try to trade Peyton it's just again you know what's really out there for him I mean but your my question to you is you know what would you demand for Alfred Peyton would you be okay with a a decent second rounder for him it would need to be an awfully good second rounder what I'd be looking at if that's what it is is a young player that has at least rotation potential and is on team control because those players actually have real value for the magic so something of that ilk if you're going there late first would be a whole hell of a lot better just because you get that team control for an extra year and that could be really valuable for them but yeah I mean with Peyton if they don't think he's the answer for them at point guard if they're you know they've had this front office changeover they're not the front office that drafted and I would assume that they don't given that that he was not the pick of this front office right so if that's the case they should probably trade him because another team would have then have more value with his restricted free agency I think he could end up being a big loser this year just because there are teams with money but most of those teams don't need a point guard and don't need a point guard like him so he could just be either taking a lower multi-year contract or even potentially the qualifying offer just because just because he if he believes in himself and thinks that in 2019 he can do it so yeah there are teams that could just be want that as an asset proposition and you know even like let's say we don't love his fit next to Devin Booker in Phoenix I don't think either of us does but if it doesn't if that's all it costs Phoenix is like a second round pick and maybe like one of their young dudes like I don't know how they feel how they're feeling about Ulysses or somebody like that right now that's a pretty good gamble for them because they have so many other assets that with the heat picks and everything else that sure why not yeah he Peyton has provided some production at times oftentimes late in seasons um has still a lot of defensive potential although I think in the aggregate he's disappointed for me on that I mean when he first came in as a rookie I mean I was like wow this guy is just all 
all over the floor just like showing up in places you don't expect it with quick hands but you know hasn't really been as good of an individual pressure defender as i would have liked to have seen ultimately and very tough to fit around him even if in a vacuum he does provide some skills just due to the lack of shooting that he still has but maybe there are teams who think hey you know he's made some strides we can continue to develop him and but you just have to say uh the magic probably are not gonna feel that way about him but on the other hand who's gonna play point guard for this team next year if it's not alfred payton uh maybe nobody who knows but it's it's difficult i mean it's just gonna take a team that's like hey this guy's pretty young still 24 it's not really that young he's got some potential uh, has played well at times we'll just try to get him as a restricted free agent try to get him on a decent contract and just hope that he develops and maybe he doesn't but it's just kind of a flyer and i'm not sure necessarily that that team is out there i'm not either and there are especially if the price is more than just like a second rounder that's what that's why i chose that amount as like a a reasonable return i mean i think if i were the magic i probably would do that for a a decent second i know kp is is rolling over in his grave here on this one but uh yeah i I just think the, the fit with him is just so so difficult and he's just and he's not that good to just like have the ball in his hands all the time either uh even if he is a a bad shooter so it's like you know you're putting the ball in his hands because you have to because he can't play off the ball but he's just not quite dynamic enough and the one the one good part about his restricted for agency and if that's the price is something more in that range is that the opportunity cost is so low that it's not preventing you from but doing something else so like let's say it's the suns i'm using them as the example and a point guard that you like is available in the draft or for agency you're not going to say oh we're not going to sign that guy because we have alfred payton you're going to do what you're going to do and then if you can get him great if you had to give up a mid first like maybe would have been the option you know a year or so ago when people overvalued him a little bit that could be there another kind of idea like that would be just from the asset proposition somebody like indiana or charlotte if they moved on from kemba just just basically saying it's another option in case because they don't those teams don't really want to tank all the way they could consider it but i don't think it's a great move for either of them if carter williams and heaton on the same team that's uh that would be pretty remarkable any chance you think they would move aaron gordon i would listen on him i would absolutely listen on him i especially when you look at the way their books are i mean him as a as a it's he's more of kind of like the auto porter max guy just because maxes are artificially low i don't think he can be the best or is right now the best or the second best player on a good team and that's pretty much where i like to calibrate a max contract in in normal circumstances but it's a little bit too low right now so with the way the yeah. system structure he could maybe get there but it, you just wonder how real the three-point shooting is for him because other than that he's just basically kind of been pretty similar i think to the guy that he's always been another guy who you know on the right team and the right system could have a lot of defensive potential but just in the on this non-competitive team for so many years it's really you know that has not been unlocked for him and you need so much other talent around him like you want a point guard who can feed him the ball you want a a rim protecting center still because we we know now he's not a centerpiece of of a defense that it's been so they've been so disappointing though that's mostly not his fault it's just you know he's not providing as much value as we hoped there with his athleticism and the idea of him being an ace wing defender is waning it's not all the way dead but it's pretty damn close yeah well he's only 22 still so right um and how much of like just having to play with Vucevic all the time uh you know just for fun I'm gonna look up what his the defensive rating is with he and Piombo together uh yeah that's 119.6 Whee! 
So, so let's. That's bad. Just as a thought, a thought exercise. What kind of teams do you think it would make sense? Not, I'm not going to say what's the price for him, but like, what sort of teams would you say, hey, that's worth a call? Like, I've thought about Indiana just because uh, they have Thaddeus Young for pro- for one more year if he opts in. He would he would help them. I think that that kind of thing could make sense. Yeah, I mean, I think just you know, a veteran team looking for some more athleticism and Utah that would be yeah, and that also could afford it his contract yeah he would be very interesting there um that'd be very interesting um you know i'm not sure what asset they're giving back though that orlando is going to want and this is one of those ones where it's like yeah maybe well that's why i'm talking i'm talking more in the abstract because i think in the abstract just like who where would aaron gordon be good is is a worthwhile question in and of itself if the knicks had a very different distribution of talent outside of Kristaps porzingis a gordon porzingis front court would be awesome concur yeah there are a lot of teams that i think could use what he brings especially a three-point shooting you know it's not going to be 40 percent every year the way it's been most of this year but you know if he could be 36 percent and then provide some athleticism some more defense get into a good system you know i think he, he could be very useful i mean i think you know, on a washington he could be awesome but washington you know don't see how they have the assets to get him either but a, a lot of teams that could really i think use that type of bounciness he's at least a, an easy player to fit around which you know in market contrast to pete but again what the price is you know i mean what, what would you what would uh arouse your interest if you were orlando a top 21st and a young player of some renown like a player that you think can actually be a part of a part of your team in the next couple of years i think if you're if you don't feel comfortable giving him that contract which i'm as orlando probably not super comfortable about that's about where i would be thinking all right we got time to do miami here real quick or oh who most likely to be most likely to be traded on the magic i'm gonna go with shelvin mack just because if they want to be a little bit more proactive there and i while i think an alfred payton trade makes some sense i'm gonna go with shelvin mack just because there are so many easy permutations where he's involved yeah as an expiring contract a way to help other teams get off of money which i think is the type of deal that this orlando team should be looking at yeah i mean there are a lot of potential options here there's hazonia someone like a mo spates maybe uh we mentioned payton as well john simmons maybe is someone that they might want to try and move uh again in, in sort of this same idea of a guy you know he simmons is probably about properly paid you know he started off really hot this year and, and has fallen off of course but you know something like he and mac to take back even you know a really worse contract than those two guys and maybe pick up a, a significant asset as well you know there's i think all of those uh quite possible uh but yeah i mean if i had to pick it probably mac so let's do miami now what are uh what position are they starting from here an unusual one because they're 17 million under the tax but they have a 5.5 million disabled player exception for waiters so that can only be used for a player whose contract expires this season they could also use their room exception for a buyout guy something of that sort so miami has done that before they've you know they got joe johnson rehabilitated him and he got all that money with the jazz they have no open roster spots right now and they are right around the tax next year if they let wayne ellington walk but i'm sure they want to bring wayne ellington back because he's been very useful for them this year yeah at age 30 ellington uh, has really come into his own as a shooter that's what he'll be this offseason and for next year taking on money not sure how much they're going to want to do that i mean they have been have an artificially good record with these performances in close games but have been playing well enough that you think hey they might want to try and acquire someone um but they go up to, into the tax next year because they have two contracts that really balloon up one is tyler johnson you remember they matched his arenas provision deal uh so he goes from 5.9 million this year to 19.2 million next year and then he has a player option uh, which i think he might exercise 
was uh the next year for also that 19.2 and then josh richardson who is actually the way he's played recently is looking like he'll probably be a seal he got as we called it the josh richardson the four-year 42 maximum value extension that they could have offered him so he goes from 1.5 this year at the minimum to uh 9.4 next year so that's why they're so much higher in salary next year committed than this year also their only high value expiring contract in terms of salary is wayne ellington who they don't want to move so there isn't really another way in that form and one of the challenges for the magic unless pat riley sees this differently the, the heat you mean sorry yeah the heat. I, I know the magic are so fascinating we we can't get south florida i'm just i'm just i'm in that in that mindset right now is that a lot of their their other kind of ancillary pieces of so the like the deeper guys on their roster are players that they really like rodney magruder okaro white and so it's a lot harder to make deals involving those guys if you really like them as opposed to them being more filler flotsam type stuff aj hammonds is the one big piece they have there but i don't know what he does because he's under contract for another year at about 1.5 million yeah and that's one that you think if they're in the tax they would probably want to try and move uh, i mean i think probably with the emergence of bam out of bio and also having kelly olenic who's really a great modern backup center that white side uh, who has not really been himself with the injuries but also is older than you think you know he's in his late 20s already given how long it took him to kind of burst onto the scene i'm sure they would love to try to move him good luck yeah i mean Whiteside's 28 he turns so this is his age 28 season next year's age 29 he'll be making 27 million in his age 30 season under contract player option yeah yeah i think he actually uh, you know might opt into that player option uh yeah so and i think you know they haven't really been markedly better with him out there this season see if he can get right and help them more i mean he's definitely has played well in the past but certainly he's overpaid and we've talked so many times about how impacted the center market is so i'm not really sure what the construct of a deal for him would be necessarily um you know it was floated around that maybe he could be a vehicle to get like a real star onto the team but then also of course they're so limited in terms of the draft picks that they already owe they still have those two first rounders to phoenix top seven protected in 2018 then unprotected in 2019 on top of that their 2020 first 2021 pick unprotected which means they cannot trade a first round pick before 2023 that's not great and they've traded away all their seconds through 2023 except for 2022 which they still have yeah you could say that maybe there are some young guys who have some modicum of value like white and magruder if he can come back they probably would listen on justice winslow at this point although his value is really at an ad or again after he's missed a bunch of time with a knee injury and you know missed last year with the shoulder and all that so i'm sure they would love to maybe move tyler johnson as well but nobody wants that balloon payment for next year so i i would suspect that they do very little maybe they would try to just i mean but they have so much room uh below the tax that it's almost just easier to release someone like uh i mean maybe they would just try to dump hammonds on someone um and maybe someone like white or magruder and take back salary that just expires this year just to get hammonds off the books for next year because he's still owed uh 1.5 million guarantee but i don't see this is one of the least likely teams i think uh, for me as far as making any kind of a move um and they'll probably just want to try to get into 
the buyout market and they do have uh, their room exception still if i'm not mistaken they do and the disabled the stable player exception so if they could clear yeah. some roster spots that would actually really have some value for them because miami will be desirable with waiters out yeah. they have even more minutes in the rotation though they have a lot of good players as they always do all right so most likely to be traded for them oh hammonds yeah i guess so <laughs> the, that seems most likely to me uh, and maybe you would have said it was ellington if they were kind of out of it and he's an expiring contract and it's gonna be hard for them to bring him back but he's just so desperately needed for a team that's good right now so i i don't think i mean zach Lowe speculated that maybe he could get moved when he did his column in the heat a couple weeks ago and they've continued winning since then and they've lost the end waiters so they just they desperately need ellington he's playing 30 minutes a night and he's providing a skill that nobody else on this team has which is the shooting from deep so yeah i'll go with hammonds too i will get to the rest of our preview then we got some news to do as well but first this from simple contacts you can renew your prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from anywhere in minutes through an online self-guided vision test and i had my fiance tested out she's had contacts for years and at first she's like well this is really annoying like why do i have to go through this test and i'm like well think about it this way you just spend two minutes doing their vision test and you just saved yourself like the hours of having to go to the doctor and get your vision checked and she's like oh yeah that's actually really really efficient all these tests are designed and reviewed by doctors so they're bringing the doctor's office to your home and their contact lens prices are really good too the vision test is 20 bucks shipping is free for the contact lenses so should of course get a periodic full eye health exam but if you're just trying to renew your prescription or get one this is much much better than what it normally would be and for my listeners you can get 30 dollars off your first simple contacts order at simplecontacts.com slash capspace or you can use the capspace code at checkout so at simplecontacts.com slash capspace easy remember capspace now we're back to talking about it all the time in the program when i said we talked about it all the time in the program before like these first couple of months i was kind of fudging a little bit there but we're back to talking about capspace all the time so you can remember now simplecontacts.com slash capspace or the capspace code will work for you as well they'll get you 30 bucks off your contacts and let them know that you came from us so the washington wizards danny where are they they're 5.7 million over the tax line they have some of the middle level yet left but of course that can only be used on free agents they do have one open roster spot and the thing that makes it even more challenging for them is that they have they're about 5.7 million over so about the same amount next season even if they let most of their free agents go assuming guys like jason smith pick up their options so you know if the team was better i think that maybe ted leonsis would be more open to doing this and I, I, i'm not sure that there's like a super obvious way there is a way for them to get on under the tax but i can see them making kind of moves in that direction just because it's a lot of money to be saved by trying to get under the tax even though it doesn't make their team better yeah and at least they do have all their draft picks going forward but other than kelly Oubre, they basically have given up a first rounder in three of the past four years now is they had that trade for marching gortat then they had the trade for markeith morris then they actually drafted Oubre, and then they gave up their first first to move off of Andrew Nicholson as well to get Bogdanovich but of course he is long gone so you really I mean Smith has been out of the rotation since basically the very first game of the season although he contributed last year that contract was the one that we thought was the greatest lunacy of all their 2016 signings and as it turned out Mahimi has not contributed nearly as much getting off of Mahimi is something they're going to look to do as well but let's just talk about Smith what do you think the price would be to move on from him with his uh, 5.5 million next season 
moving on from Smith alone, that so so in terms of straight money for another team, it's about ten and a half million. So that to me is less than a first round pick, but it saves the Wizards a lot of money because that gets them really close to the tax line. They could also expand it a little bit by including Chris McCullough or, Shel- or Sheldon Mack, who is out for the year, and then they could get all the way under, and that has real real value for them. And if they moved both of those guys in a deal, so like let's say they did a three for one, actually, if you want to hear it, I thought of a structure that that could actually work for this. Um, but the benefit there is that they could actually use some of that mid-level exception or just have minimum contracts to sign guys and they would have roster spots. I think that would be a better use of it because think about all this the spots that they're basically wasting at this point. So there would be value in that. Maybe at that point you get into either giving up a straight first or giving up a first and getting a smaller asset in return. Yeah, or it could be a similar construction as it was to last year where they could hopefully get someone who could play. I mean, I'm trying to think of who is out there that would match salary for Jason Smith, who could give them something that would help them. I mean, I guess first we should talk about is just what do they need right now? Their bench hasn't been as terrible as it was last year, but I think another perimeter player on the bench would be useful, especially if they could be a three, just another option there. I have, I'm a staunch advocate that they should move Kelly Oubre into the starting lineup because Markeith Morris isn't really helping as much there. And so that would also create an even stronger need for that guy. However, those players are really hard to find. So do that. I think Sadoransky and Meeks as a combo have been fine and they still have Tim Frazier kind of backing up that in case they need, in case somebody gets hurt or something like that. So I think they're okay there. Mahimi certainly not great but that's but i think in terms of backup centers he's not too bad and then depending on how they use keith they can do some different things there so do you agree with me bench three is probably the biggest thing yeah i think that's probably right i mean if they really want to compete in the playoffs getting someone who can defend at a higher level on the wing and be a little bit stronger i think part of it i mean as we have noted before their defense is pretty good but we don't expect that to continue they've had a little bit of luck in terms of opponents three-pointers and i think were they the one who just had like opponents were hitting like some terrible uh oh no it was some other team that was hitting like a great percentage against them we were saying their defense improved so that wasn't them never mind uh but yeah i mean they still really have had some struggles you know Meeks has been okay but still is a negative 4.1 net rating and you know like it so often is with these teams John Wall 4.7 net rating Beal 4.1 and then it's been the bench that has dragged them down although part of why those their ratings are a little bit better is because Brooks has gotten more to all bench units instead of keeping one of those guys on the floor at all times but certainly I would say somewhat of a disappointment at least for them not to me this is kind of about where I expected them to be this year um I mean just in terms of players who might be out there and as trade candidates uh you know mark stein noted that the wizards had been rumored maybe as a place for tyreek evans and mark said no like that was shut down for him you know i'm not sure they necessarily you know they could use maybe one more bench play maker but evans is a guy who probably doesn't really fit in their best lines i mean i think if you're going to give up the first rounder again as and as part of getting off the money you really want to get someone who could realistically be in your closing lineup perhaps and you know maybe Maybe another option would be what about like Mahinmi and a first for Wes Matthew? Is that is that just too? That's probably too. Uh, it's probably not enough. I'm gonna say it's too much bad money for the Mavericks for that price. I mean, because yeah. they they have actual yeah. aspirations. You know that they, they can do something with that. And Wes Matthews is plays a more valuable position, and they already have paid a lot of money to centers. I mean, and Salamejri is still you know these are going to be restricted free agents. So yeah, I, I think that's not that's not enough for me. I for a fleet 
fleeting second thought about, huh, what about Derek Favors there? But I don't think there's really a way to make that work just because it gets into the same issues they've had with the Jazz. So that that's not necessarily helpful. Yeah. And uh, Oh, I've, I've got one for you. What about uh, James Ennis? I like it. I love James Ennis. So yeah, totally on board. Uh, and they would have early bird rights on him if they wanted to re-sign him. He'll be 28 th- this offseason. You know, I don't, and Memphis, I mean, I'm sure if they could get a first rounder. I, part of the problem with the Wizards trading first rounders is like, you know, their first rounder is pretty decent every year. It's like, you know, 17 or 18 or something most of these years. Um, Wait, something something else I want to more... mention just because sometimes we write this off and other times we talk about it. If Ted Leonsis was willing to pay the luxury tax, Bojan Bogdanovic, with the price that he ended up getting, would have been really helpful for this team like he wouldn't have solved all of their problems but like, i mean think about the contract he got with the pacers if he had gotten that exact same contract for them i think he would be a value for them yeah well i mean he is likely gonna have to pay the tax uh with where they are now uh 5.7 million over as you noted uh and and just clearing off some money just to get into the buyout market as well they still have 1.9 million left of their uh mid-level exception that they could use uh joe johnson i think might be someone else that they could think about potentially um um, you know if they could put together McCullough and Jason Smith for him but again you know that's now we're talking about you're not actually reducing your tax bill right we're talking about and in Johnson's case you'd be increasing it most likely maybe there's a way I mean I don't think they have enough kind of other bad salary that they could put together I mean maybe you could say Sadaransky I mean they would need still some kind of backup point guard though Sadaransky has been playing for him so maybe like Meeks Jason Smith and Chris McCullough i mean that still really only gets you sheldon mack as well who i think they're almost certainly going to try and dump the reason they haven't yet is just because he would have been on their books all year because he tore his achilles and you're on the books until you're healed unless you have an exhibit nine which mack of course didn't on a longer than one year deal uh so if you put all those guys together then maybe you get joe johnson but you're still probably not saving enough right so you you probably would need to and there's nobody else really who has a small enough salary um that that would work for they would to aggregate together and Mahimi of course is such bad money that you know in a deal like that it's Utah is not going to hamstring themselves that much with where they're at as a franchise so okay um, I'll give you my proposal which I am I am also putting out there for the people who are doing the mock trade deadline if they want to use it they can so the idea is basically that Phoenix can actually do this that so they what they do is they trade either Mac or McCullough doesn't really matter into Phoenix's space then Phoenix cuts them then they trade the other one then they cut them and and then they trade Jason Smith. Either you could do Jason Smith or if they want to send back some small guy because they had to have to clear one contract because they have 15 guaranteed. And so, and then you include like a first round pick or something there. And so the reason that you do that trade is a three for one would force Phoenix to cut way too many guys, but they actually have enough cap space to do those as separate transactions. And so do it that way, cut the guy. And then Washington gets under the cap, under the tax enough. They get all the way under. They could still use their mid-level exception. So that provides even more value to them. And then they could, you know, and they would have three roster spots then to use so they could go like split that mid-level or do whatever they wanted then i think they would still have some minimums i haven't done the full number with prorated stuff but i think it'd be valuable for them they have all their cash right i believe they do so you would imagine that at the very least what they would do would be pay a team to take mccullough and mac 
and the reason they probably haven't done that yet is because it's that's just even more palatable to do that you know when they've paid their salary for 60 percent of the year as it'll have been when the trade deadline comes along and so if they have five million in cash that they can send with those guys they can not only pay those guys salary but then throw in a, a cash sweetener and that would be something that would make sense for all sides that that might be something that just you know when the dust kind of clears and all the major moves have been made they can find someone to do a deal like that so i would expect that at a minimum you would see that happen it's just a question now of whether they can move on from jason smith as well and cash is not going to be enough to get that done i mean they might get uh but that would at least reduce their tax bill even if they move on from those guys they would obviously have to get some new guys for the roster but you know they could get into the buyout market then as a result so those if i had to pick the kind of deal that they're most likely to do i'd say they're probably not going to do anything uh other than you know chris mccall and sheldon mack for cash uh with some cash for you know a, a funny money second rounder see i'll say my most likely player to be traded is, is sheldon mack just because especially because he can't contribute i don't know you could make an argument that mccall is better but i don't think either one yeah. i don't think I, I would i would say mccall would be the more likely one to get traded because they might even want to just hold on to mack and his restricted rights i mean i think i thought they he liked him at it's times. true i mean you know he did coming off the torn achilles but he's young enough hopefully to bounce back from that and as a restricted free agent maybe they could just bring him back on, on, although do they want to even make him a qualifying offer which he would instantly accept probably you know maybe not but uh you know maybe they'd want to hold on to him i think if i had to pick one guy and also mccullough makes more as well uh at 1.5 uh million and he had his fourth year option declined and you know basically hasn't played at all so yeah i would say mccullough probably mo- most likely to be traded there uh max second oh one just just to have this out there one other thing so the wizards do have all their own first but their 2019 20 and 21 seconds are gone so they could trade this year's but then after that they're a little bit more limited yeah and second rounders uh, begin to come to a premium when you're a team that's in the tax and you're trying to dump money as they are going to be uh for quite some time here it would seem uh let's do a little bit of news here and we're starting with uh some really depressing stuff out of san antonio yeah if we if we hadn't recorded the trade deadline preview part first we we would have started i would presume with the Kawhi Leonard news Kawhi the the word that is that he'll sit indefinitely with tendinopathy and indefinitely can mean a lot of different things it's doing some serious lifting here the Spurs have said that they expect him to play this year which kind of freaked me out more even though you could phrase that as a positive thing but he just hasn't really bounced back from this in the way that they had hoped and it is really all about you know getting him back to 100% at some point and so if shutting him down as Pop said today if that gets people to ask fewer questions i'm not sure it will but if it helps him recover then so be it yeah and he's just going to go back into rehab and it seemed like he had not played on less than two days rest yet and so the issue was really as it is with a lot of these tendonitis soreness kind of issues it seems like most often with the tendon issue we've seen this with mike conley as well that it really takes a long time for it to heal reggie jackson was another one too he was never really quite right last year either with that severe tendonitis and so he tried to warm up apparently on monday which would have been his first attempt at playing on less than two days rest after he had a really nice game on saturday in a blowout of the nuggets and he then just felt like hey it doesn't quite feel right and then the decision is made that hey we're going to shut him down and he's just going to have to do more rehab so definitely discouraging he had not looked quite like himself seemed to be making a few strides but again you know the issue is just all right you can play one game but then what do you feel like the next day and that's what pop's comments seem to be focused on to compound that rudy gay is out at least another two weeks with his heel injury so san antonio out two players who largely play the same position fortunately they they
they have gotten Danny Green back, though he's not 100%. He's playing through some of his groin issues and Pau Gasol is as well. So it isn't... Yeah, Gasol with a hand issue, Correct. I believe, actually. Yeah, I, I, I lumped them together with different injuries. And so what this means at, the, at this point is San Antonio and Minnesota are they're one game apart now because San Antonio won their last game. They won at Brooklyn and Minnesota lost at Orlando, which was a rough loss for them. They just yeah. they just got outplayed. I mean, I think that was a big part of it. And also, Evan Fournier hit a bunch of shots and Biombo had the best game of one of the better games of his life. But San Antonio, I think right now, it's more likely that they'll fall to the four than that they'll get the three just because we don't know how long Kawhi is out and Minnesota has played so much better recently. But that creates this kind of crazy circumstance for me where if let's, let's say you could take it as an assumption that the Spurs and Thunder were playing in the four or five, wouldn't you rather be the two seed than the one in the West? Uh, maybe. But, and you might also though want to be the six seed than the five. You might rather face the Wolves in the first round than face the Spurs who, you know, assuming that uh, Leonard does in fact return. Um, as of now, Spurs 30 and 16, Wolves 29 and 17. So Wolves one game behind, but uh, ESPN's BPI noting that the Spurs have the hardest schedule remaining in the league which that's particularly remarkable when you're a good team because you don't have to play yourself usually bad teams will have harder remaining schedules and so the Spurs we've seen them get very lucky in crunch time we talked about it in the 15 and 60 like their clutch net rating is like plus 33 this year or something and part some of that is probably their execution but a lot of it is just luck and then you also consider the tough schedule going forward uh yeah I mean I, I do expect the Wolves to outplay them they have a four and a half game lead on the Thunder still the Thunder had some foibles but it had a nice win at home against the Lakers and I, you know, I think generally they're going to start playing better but Thunder actually have a better uh projected point differential than the Spurs do so not entirely and I know the Thunder would love to get out of the Warriors bracket to be sure um so our dream match I mean I thought it was going to be it was looking pretty set that it was going to be Rockets and Spurs in the 2-3 a rematch from last year which would have been awesome and then uh hopefully Thunder Warriors or Wolves Warriors either of those would have been really cool uh, in the one four but now we're might be a little bit messed up here with Kawhi and I mean you know we have no idea how much longer he's going to be out for but you know my guess would be another month probably you know I mean that's kind of like what this feels like I mean certainly there'd be no reason to bring him back before the all-star break a month has been the basic timeline that I've been using four to six weeks kind of and remember that when he's coming back I assume this is not that we heard that no 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 but it's just just knowing what the Spurs do and also remember that with Kawhi coming back from this again he's not going to come back and play 30 minutes a night you know they're going to be slow about this be deliberate about it again yeah, i would i would just as it was before right so, so yeah i mean so this will really probably be the first year that they really are just like all right we're not we don't care about the regular season that much i mean they just they got to get Kawhi healthy that's the, that's the only thing that matters for this team and hopefully and it, you know you would hope that they could have had a chance to get some some time playing with lamarcus at center and and gay and Kawhi have not played together hardly at all and his his injury is troubling too i mean he was supposed to be out for two weeks before reevaluation and he's supposed to be out you know a fair amount of time still uh, with his own issues with this uh, right heel injury so um i can't remember if it's right or left i think it's right heel towards left heel, but that um but any of them just a shame that we're not going to get to see uh san antonio at full strength for a long time here it's been one of the I, I just haven't enjoyed watching them as much this year without Kawhi. and i kept you know i was sort of like ah you know i'll watch more spurs later when they're whole and they're just you know they're never whole so um in other news uh avery bradley after a loss in detroit apparently continuing to be bothered by groin injury i thought he had already seen a specialist and we had some concern about that but he'd continued to play but uh rod beard saying that bradley is going
going to see a specialist in philadelphia about his groin tomorrow and you know that's never good when the guy goes to the specialist and it's been nagging him for a while you know you could see it potentially getting shut down um what else do we have here two disabled player exception pieces of news i believe the deadline for applications was the 15th so it's not a surprise that we're getting this right around now brooklyn got a six million dollar one for jeremy lynn and the Pelicans got a $2.75 million one for Alexei Jinta. And appropriate that this isn't one where we already talked about this with Dion Waiters, because what this is, you can get a player, you can either sign somebody to that money, or you can get somebody who is on an expiring contract. And it's less likely that New Orleans is going to use it because they're butting right up against the luxury tax, but maybe- yeah, and the hard cap. And the hard well cap. With those weird holiday incentives. And Brooklyn, you know, maybe they could. They, they could they could do some interesting, as, as it turns out, that would have been a very useful useful thing to use to get Jaleel Okafor had it existed at that point because then they could have kept Trevor Booker done something else with him but Philly wanted Trevor Booker and they paid a heavy price so that worked out yeah well it made sense actually I mean they could have applied for this earlier with Lynn but the problem was they actually had cap room and so they didn't want to have the exception on the books which would have taken them over the cap and then to complete a trade they would have had to renounce the exception so it made more sense to just hold on to the cap room and now on the last possible day to apply for it apply for it i'm guessing you know i mean a torn patellar tendon clearly you're going to be out for the year so i'm guessing that's why they waited until just now i think so too that's that's smart i hadn't thought of that but you're right yeah well i mean it's one of those things where i was like yeah what the hell this lynn injury happened a long time ago why didn't they wait and so that's or why did they wait so long that's probably what the reason is um the fallout from i don't know blank gate whatever you you want to call it here uh with the rockets and clippers has come down trevor ariza and gerald green after extensive interviewing review of security footage there's not a security camera in the so-called secret passage but there is in the main one so that exonerated clint capella uh who didn't actually as it turned out knock on the clippers door i think there's talk that Tarek black did knock on the door and i think that like someone on the clippers just like thought that capella like black was capella or something but neither of them got suspended ariza and joe green were suspended two games each they apparently were the aggressors testimony from everyone including clippers was that james harden and chris paul were there but we're kind of trying to be more uh peacemakers and then the rockets really wanted some discipline against blake griffin for bumping into mike d'antoni and wanted austin rivers to face punishment too per tim mcmahon but that did not uh, in fact occur it didn't and i expressed some criticism not necessarily though i didn't like that griffin didn't i mean he got attacked but they didn't get further punished for it because he intentionally ran into d'antoni like that that's a kind of a different thing than than just it happened well i thought he was trying to do the kid woodson thing Mm -hmm. and so, so i don't know yeah so so and they wanted rivers i think because he was standing on the floor though the cl- i mean standing on the floor during a game that kind of crap yeah. it shouldn't happen I, I believe that there should be stronger punishments for that but it this isn't really necessarily the time to implement it and i understand why the rockets are a little bit mad about it but you know them's the breaks yeah. well, but, but- I, I, apparently you can't just suspend someone for being an asshole so uh <laughs> that's, that's a precedent uh that that, that seems like as good a transition as we're going to have to getting into the pelicans uh re- uh, Hawks game. Well, we do, uh, yeah, we do have one more though, which is uh, Jordan Bell went down yeah. today with what appears to be a high ankle sprain. Uh, looks like an eversion ankle sprain, which is also what Derek Rose suffered earlier. Those ones are can be trickier than your normal inversion ankle sprain, where you land on someone's foot. He, uh, Robin Lopez, dunked on him and then kind of caught him with his off arm, as Lopez is wont to do. And Bell came down awkwardly on his left leg, and it looked like, uh, you know, sort of like his shin moved inside of where his foot was. And 
and cause it to turn outward and so high ankle sprain uh eversion ankle sprain you know those can be tricky I and mean, you have to imagine that we won't see him until after the all-star break at least he certainly was uh appeared to be in a lot of pain and people were really concerned but thankfully not a severe knee injury at least yeah i mean the the in certain injuries what freaks people out is how the player reacts and jordan bell looked very very concerned and he, and he you know getting getting people over tried to walk on it couldn't really do that and then ended up taking him out on a wheelchair and then we don't know exactly the severity did you see the chris dunn injury uh yes i did yeah i, I don't know ex- i mean he was able to walk off under his own power I that think was the, the issue as far as playing will be that's that's why i never liked uh hanging on the rim when i dunked off a of one foot back when i could actually dunk because uh that's what can happen to you uh i never felt like i had the coordination to like actually grab on and like you know not just like fall off like that but uh yeah he like appeared to like bust up his mouth pretty badly not sure whether there might have been a, a cushion involved there or not we'll see we'll have to see with that and and his absence ended up swinging that game a little bit because the bulls were coming back and they didn't they put in denzel valentine to replace him and the warriors were able to they were able to skate by and, and win that game by i think yeah. it was five also real quickly on the bulls uh casey johnson reporting today that uh jaron grant might be on the block he shot it poorly from three-point range to the bulls and they maybe want to get a look at uh the white whale cameron Payne, uh who uh, you know is all they have left to show from that big trade with okc last trade deadline once he's actually healthy and obviously zach levine using up a lot of those minutes as well uh but yeah let's talk about this atlanta new orleans game what do you got so i mean it's ties in with a couple of different stories concerns about the pelicans they are still they had that wonderful win against boston which i feel a little bad that we didn't do because that was a much in certain ways a more important thing than this but there are two so one is yes it was on a back-to-back you're on the road but the hawks aren't great and not only that but anthony davis only took eight shots in this game yeah after 45 point nights in overtime two games in a row and the point was made to me that he is tired but this is something that david lockett has been talking about a lot which is davis has the highest variance just in terms of his play from game to game of any player in the nba and we can speculate as to why that is maybe it's because he has these nagging injuries that you know he feels real good or bad on certain days maybe it's he plays so many minutes maybe some days he plays more defense and what my most favorite explanation for that which is just he's much more dependent as a player for getting his shots he's not despite his brilliance not a guy you necessarily throw it to and say all right just go get us a a bucket uh although you know we saw a little bit more of that against the Knicks that's because he had the matchup with the speed advantage on Chris Asperzingis and actually in most of his matchups at power forward he does not really have the speed advantage so you know you can't just throw it to him and say hey face up you know go off the dribble attack this guy so I think all those are potential reasons for the variance that he has but you know it explains how you know in addition to the fact that it was a back-to-back or whatever that the Pels can go on the road and beat Boston one night and then you know get beaten by the Hawks it uh and they looked real bad offensively in the second half wait I mean you had that that third quarter where Atlanta not only outscored them by 16 but had a 21 to 3 run where meaning the three of the Pelicans scored were over was that like six seven minutes something like that oh yeah 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 at the end of the third I mean they scored only the 10 points in the third and then at the beginning as well the Hawks actually surged back to a lead um and then New Orleans was able to look like they pretty close to having it in control uh leading 90 to 85 with 219 remaining but then just were not really able to get great shots down the stretch and Kent Bazemore had a fantastic game what really killed them was we've talked about the hawk set that the thunder run and one of the things that ben falk has pointed out who introduced 
that set to us uh, is the thunder don't really look for the actual hawk cut which is similar to a ucla cut where you know they set the, the back screen for the guy on the strong side at the free throw line well the hawks got two layups in a row by kent Bazemore, and i thought it was an interesting decision i mean ian clark has been closing games for them for some reason etuan moore was on the bench instead which is ridiculous like etuan moore is just a much better player than ian clark is especially on defense and uh i believe clark was guarding Bazemore for part of the time and then uh, at the end Bazemore made an unbelievable pull-up j over anthony davis it was the second night in a row that ad had had a shot made on him in the last 10 minutes of the game or last 10 seconds of the game off a switch Bazemore hit this really tough fadeaway on him to give the hawks the lead and then uh i don't know anything else you want to say before we get to that final play about kind of the end there well so on when they had a, a 92-89 lead what the hawks did was they basically just had patchouli or sorry not patchouli Ilyasova come back up and John Collins was in a really sweet spot because he had his own guy. Well, it was kind of a, a jumbled possession for the Pelicans. And DeMarcus Cousins stayed in the paint instead of following Ilyasova out. So all Collins had to do was stand in front of Drew Holiday and Ilyasova was wide open, just cans the three. So that made it a tie game. And it was, I think that was about a minute left. And then on the next play, they got a 1-4 pick and roll. And so so then it was Holiday and uh, I thought Davis did a pretty nice job screening there on Schroeder. And Collins didn't get out but Holiday airballed the shot. So they didn't get any sort of ill effect there. And that was really the last, like that was really the last kind of full possess like kind of thing that they got because then and demarcus cousins got fouled on the drive by collins yeah and cousins uh missed one of two free throws uh which obviously hurt them and then Bazemore made his shot uh just overall ad the two of eight for eight points cousins six out of 17 19 points for him and they got plenty from the rest of their guys holiday was fantastic although it didn't do nearly as much damage in the second half he was eight for 11 with 19 points in the first half and then uh he was oh of five no i'm sorry he was one out of five in the second half for three points and uh uh, rondo got the keith bogans which i approve of uh, and but just closing with clark uh who played 29 minutes in this one instead of more really just did not make much sense to me more at 12 points in 22 minutes he was great uh i thought so and just a much better defensive player and you know not quite as good of a shooter as clark is but still about as good and has has a high release darius miller had a big game too for 17 points so this is i mean they should have won this game the big problem i think was just that their stars didn't play better or maybe they they ran out of gas um i wanted to ask you because you watched more of this yeah. game than i did during the the meat of it how did john collins look to you because his final line was phenomenal he had some moments i mean he defensively he's a little spacey but showed at least some activity you know which is a little bit better he got beat on a back door for an alley-oop for 80 one of his two field goals uh and then but seven of eight from the field four of four from the foul line so 18 points on 10 shooting possessions that's pretty damn good uh didn't get on the glass quite as much but he did close the game uh he was closing the game at center with Ilyasova next to him uh Ilyasova had a nice game too with 15 points uh, on nine shooting possessions he had that big three late um as did Bazemore with the the game winner and also 20 points for him um this was for the Hawks side this is a matchup uh, I was reminded because I haven't watched them that closely in a little bit that they have two of my least favorite players in the league to watch which are uh Ilyasova and Bellinelli 
just two just inverterate floppers who you know bellinelli just takes some awful shots um so that was uh i don't really care for watching this team much schroeder's never been a favorite of mine uh miles Plumley, not exactly my favorite deadman is back now he he uh played 20 minutes but didn't do that much um so yeah no and no one on this team i really enjoy watching uh other than collins i would say at the point and it's too early for the hawks i'm, I'm sure some of the fans are like oh god we won again because they're trying to get the best pick they can but at this point i think that's totally fine and they're 13 and 31 so they got some ground yeah you know that's uh basically right where the heat were last year um but yes i do not beat a surge of that ilk uh also worth noting actually that Malcolm Delaney is back in the rotation. Isaiah Taylor is out again. And yeah, I think that's all. Oh, so then the final play, right? Uh, two seconds left. They advance the ball, try to inbound it just to like a straight post up for Cousins. Uh, that gets deflected out of bounds. So now they've got 1.9 left. Cousins actually did a better job of stealing Ilyasova. They got it into him. Uh, Gentry, the second time, put in Rondo to make the entry pass, which was a smart move because he's still you know a great passer, obviously. And I thought that Ilyasova very clearly followed cousins on that play because he's behind him and so basically what he did was he put both of his arms straight out like around the torso of cousins and then never moved them and so then cousins tried to turn and go up for the shot so his arms are not straight up they're way out uh his arm hits cousins as as he goes to turn into his uh you know nine foot kind of hook shot hits him on the arm cousins misses i mean I, i don't see how on earth that's not a foul it didn't strike me that way on the first look but then when i saw it again like a lot of times when a guy misses a shot that looks kind of weird you look at body contact and you go oh okay and that that's really the way it was for me and you just like you're not allowed to just put your arms straight out outside the cone of your body if you do that and contact occurs it's a foul on you and that's what happened on this play i don't see i mean you know it's ursan Ilyasova who takes a ton of charges and is kind of a darling of the refs and demarcus cousins who certainly is not you know i'm not sure and it's also just at the end of the game uh, but i'll be very interested to see the two-minute report on this one. i'm going to check that tomorrow because you know i, I think they do go to some extent they certainly try to err on the side of justifying the call whenever possible and i'll be curious to see what the explanation is if in fact they do justify that yeah i'll be excited for that i i didn't watch i didn't watch <laughs> excited excited for the two minute but report. I, I i didn't watch i actually was for part of the time the crazy ending for grizzlies knicks where courtney lee got a technical on a jump ball but we didn't watch it so we can't talk about it. i just I just wanted to mention it because I'm sure some people would be like, hey, what are your thoughts? We didn't see it, so. Yeah. At some point after the trade deadline, I think maybe we should just do a show where, like, we just watch as many games as possible and just whatever we want to over the course of a night, and then we'll just talk about whatever we saw. We don't have to necessarily do it of, like, okay, we're going to watch these four games be so locked in. We'll just, hey, we'll give you some observations. Kind of Odds and ends. Kind of like what Kelly, yeah, kind of like what Kelly Dwyer used to do on those great columns he would write back in the day for Ball Don't Lie, where he would just, like, write a, a paragraph or two about every game that happened that night on a big night i always used to like read those so too bad that those are gone but uh all right uh it's too bad that our show is gone it is over now don't forget about simple contacts simple contacts.com slash cap space is the url all right talk to y'all probably sunday till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 